The Casey Legend Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Live from Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway, here's your host, Sterling Holmes. To Sports Radio 810 WHB, the Chiefs Legend Show, live right here at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. We will be here from 6 until 7 p.m. Uh, Tim Grunard is going to be my guest this afternoon. Every Monday from 6 to 7, we'll be here live with special guests, former Chiefs legends, getting an inside perspective on their career, their past Chiefs games, and a look ahead at the upcoming one. Tim? Oh, it's great to be here. I, lo- I love this casino. It's a nice casino. It's always really clean, friendly people. Got to love Barstool having a uh, uh, a betting uh, uh, little area here. So, yeah, come on out here and, and hang out with us on a Monday night. Great Monday night football game yeah. tonight. Yeah. You get to watch the new Jets against the Buffalo Bills. So, yeah, it'll be an exciting night, so pop on out here. If you're driving around looking for something to do, come on out and see us at the casino. And if you're looking for something to do on Sunday, the 17th, six days from right now, watch your team on the giant LED screen. While watching, you can win $3,000 in pin bonus play or a $1,000 KC tailgate package. Don't miss out on any of the action this season at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. All right, Grunny, big news. Big news. Chris Jones, he's back. He's back. A one-year deal, and from all reports so far, it's not an extra one-year deal. It's a revamped, reworked, current one-year deal, an incentive-laden deal. What is your takeaway? You hold out. You don't do OTAs, training camp, preseason. You miss one game. You you miss out on $1.1 million just to get a one-year deal, incentive-laden bonus. What's your take on this? Yeah, I don't know. I don't quite get it, but I'm just glad he's back. I, I will tell you this. I thought Spags did a great job of scheming a good plan uh, against the uh, Giants, did a good job of, of bringing some pressure from all different areas, but yet covered it on the backside with the defensive backs. But you can't live in that world because the NFL is going to catch up to you. Uh, you got to have a guy like Chris Jones. You got to have a guy like Chris Jones in the middle of that uh, defensive line getting some pressure because you can't put that kind of pressure with bringing blitzes and bringing all kinds of different uh, movement up front uh, against teams when you're going to put your uh, secondary in stress. So it was. I'm glad that Chris Jones is back. I don't understand the whole deal. I, I, it just happened. Uh, so I'm just glad he's going to be playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. It'll be interesting, Sterling, to see if he could play this week and how much he can play now. I believe it was, was it Bosa with the 49ers? Yeah. Who limited himself to 30 plays, uh, according to all the, uh, uh, the, you know, the, the media and everything else uh, as he was going into that game last week, and I think he played about 55 plays. Yeah. So he was like, I'm not coming out the field. So we'll see if that's what Chris Jones does. Yeah, with the expectations for Chris Jones, I've been trying to tell people, you, you know, when you are a fan, short for fanatic, you see Chris Jones and you're angry, you're seeing him in the, in the suite, and he's not there at the game. He's at the game. But he's not playing in the game. And so you know some fans are going to be very on his case. They're going to expect three sacks his first game back. And I'm trying to tell people, while you can have that thought process of you wish he was there, at this point it's a sunk cost. And we've seen time and time again the difference between game speed and being in great shape is is huge. Emmett Smith had a chance to talk with him, and he held out two games in 1993. And he said going back, he had eight carries first game back, 
13 carries that second game before he got a full workload. What are expectations for Chris Jones as far as how many games will it take for him to get into game shape? Yeah, to get in game shape, I think it's going to take two or three games. I mean, especially at the defensive line position. That's a hard position to play. I tell people all the time. The defensive linemen, you know, listen, you're getting double teamed all the time. You've got to fight through those double teams, and, and you've got big guys going against you with a lot of length. And then when, once you win that battle, now you've got to go tackle a running back or a quarterback. That's not easy to do. So this whole, you know, I'm in shape thing is obsolete when it comes to playing in an NFL football game because there's a difference between being in shape and being in game shape, and especially at the defensive line position. I can tell you that the guys I've gone against over the years that have held out just from training camp and come back for the first game, they were half the player that they were when I played against them in that first game. But as the season progressed, they got better, and you can see it on film. Uh, so I think that's what you're going to see for Chris Jones. I think Chris is going to, you know, he'll, he'll make a player too. He's just a really good football player, really good athlete. Uh, he may get a tackle for a loss or two. I, I wouldn't expect to see him in there too much. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't expect too much from him. But uh, it's just great to have Chris back in. Yeah. Uh, in, in and they're going to need him against Jacksonville because Jacksonville is a pretty good football team. Yeah. Grunny and myself, Sterling Holmes here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. We'll be here until 7 p.m. Uh, before we take a quick break, in regards to Chris Jones, he's back, so everyone should be, you know, kumbaya, right? But what is the feeling in the locker room? You've been in the NFL locker rooms, obviously. You're a Chiefs Hall of Famer. You know better than anyone else here. When you hold out, you miss a actual regular season game. What does that do to the straining of a locker room? Well, it, you know what? There were some guys who were upset with Chris Jones, and, and I was upset with guys when they held out. But once they come back in, you realize, oh, listen, they were trying to make their money for their family and do their thing. Uh, you know, you're upset because it may cost you a game. And listen, there's only 17 of them, so everyone is so precious. But, you know, it's one of those things where you move on, you say, okay, he's here now. And so let's 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 get this thing rolling again. But I, I will tell you, last week, Sterling, I know you got to take a break here, but I don't know if you felt it. There was an undercurrent. It was an, just a a negative like vibe in the city from yeah. the Chris Jones thing, especially when Travis Kelsey got hurt. So maybe this will take a little bit of the schneid off to take a little bit of that that negative energy and 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 disperse it a little bit because Kansas City Chiefs need to play much better. And they need a lot more focus going into this football game this week. Chiefs legend show right here. Sports Radio 810 WHB live at Hollywood Casino. Uh, Tim Grenard is my guest. We'll take a quick break. Come back. More talk right after this. Welcome back to uh, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes with the Chiefs Legend Show right here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway until 7 p.m. Chiefs Hall of Famer Tim Grunard is my guest. Grunny, I want to talk about the offensive line. Sure. Okay, the offensive line had some ups, had some downs against the Detroit Lions. First, got to ask you. Would you like to go up against Aiden Hutchinson? Because that man is incredible. You know, I went against his dad. So when I saw his dad up in the stands, I wanted to go up there and say, listen, we used to kick your ass all the time when you were in Michigan. You just be quiet up there because you're half the player your son is. <laughs> so I went against his dad when he's at Michigan. Now his dad was a good football player too. Now, yeah, you know what? It's always those guys that go 110%. They just don't stop, and they got an unbelievable motor. And Hutchinson's one of those kids that uh, – you know, not only is he very athletic, not only has he got great technique and great fundamentals and a great football player, but, boy, the guy just never stops. So that is a challenge, and, and uh, we saw uh, Juwan Taylor uh, taking advantage of uh, a, maybe um, 
a little lax in the line of scrimmage uh, uh, with a kind of a deep set, uh, <laughs> and he got away with that for a while, and then they finally caught up with him a little bit. But you're going to, as an offensive lineman, you take advantage of every little thing you can have. You know, people say, do offensive linemen hold? Yes, we do, every play. Yeah. But you just got to hold correctly. You know, once <laughs> once a guy's outside of your body, you got to let go. But, uh, yeah, and then we saw that a little bit, uh, it, you know, that people were giving uh, Juwan Taylor some, some flack and, and I think some of the Cincinnati fans were doing yeah. that. And then they showed a film of uh, Orlando Brown, who was doing the same thing, yep. uh, but didn't have much success. He, yeah. he struggled in that game, too. So, yeah, the offensive line, I think, listen, they were up and down. Uh, I think just like the whole team. The whole team was just up and down. It, it, it looked like uh, at times they lost a little bit of focus. Uh, I think that uh, they were surprised that the Lions came out with the intensity that they did. The Lions came out. They, they came out fired up. They came out. Just like their coach, and I really like their coach. I yeah. think he's a really, really uh, a, a great guy to play for, uh, a very, very emotional. Uh, so if you're into that kind of stuff as a player, he'd be the guy for you. Uh, but uh, they were just, you know, a little inconsistent. And, and uh, I, I think that they I, – I, I got to talk with one of the offensive linemen a little bit uh, last week uh, after the game, and he said, yeah, he said, we just went out there and just it just didn't feel like we were kind of in sync. And that's one of the things they got to figure out this week before they go against the Jaguars because Jaguars have a good defensive front also. they got to get in sync, and they're going to be on the road. It's going to be loud. So, uh, it's you know, I know that uh, it's kind of a longer week because they play it on Thursday, but these guys have got a lot of work to do before they get into that game next Sunday. When you look at Jawan Taylor specifically here, yeah. the lining back that far, we all know that's not legal, but he was getting away with it. I kept saying, well, why would he willingly stop? He's getting an advantage here until someone stops you. Of course, you're going to keep doing that. But in regards to the the quote-unquote false starts, right. the, the quick first step back. On the majority of those, when you slow the tape down, he was leaving the exact same time as the ball was moving. You see it with Lane Johnson. And quite frankly, you saw with Jawan Taylor last year with Jacksonville, but no one cared because it's the Jaguars. What did you take away from how good he was at timing these snaps up? No, he's really good at it. And and I, you're exactly right. I had to watch it twice, too, because it looked like he was early all the time, but he's exactly on the snap. He just has a knack for it. Some guys have a good knack for it. Most of the time, it's it, the guys who get off really quick, they're not particularly listening to the snap count. They're watching the football. So for some reason, he's got must have great peripheral peripheral. Let me say that. Peripheral. Peripheral. <laughs> peripheral, hard word. peripheral vision because, uh, you know, he's got his eye on the defender that he's going up against, but on the side, he's looking down at that football. And when that football moves, he moves. And, uh, you know, so – uh, really good time if you're able to do that and you get a little bit of depth. It's such an advantage, and that's why it's illegal. Yeah, because you got an advantage uh, against the defender. But uh, you know, as long as you know this, and they're going to check up on it, and they're going to they're going to keep working at it. But he he needs to take advantage of every little thing he can take advantage of. That's about being a good football player. Yeah, I always say it's the gray areas in football, right? It's the gray areas. How do you take advantage of the areas where some are legal, some are not? It's pass interference on offense and defense. It's Jamar Chase when he goes up very physical and you might say, is it a push-off? I go, is it called? If it's not called, it's a good play. Well, prime example last night if you're watching the Cowboys and the Giants game, it was I think it was Cook. Uh, Cook's the wide receiver. 
he was going against some rookies, and he was leaning into them to get the call. So he yeah. was getting the call on those young guys that weren't used to that. He was using his veteran savvy, and that's what all John Taylor is doing, is using his veteran savvy to give himself an advantage in order to do his job. Uh, so, I mean, listen, they may catch up with it. They may not. He's going to continue to do it until it becomes a big-time issue. Uh, but the offensive line, listen, they uh, one of the things they're going to have to get better at, and it just drives me crazy because I think – uh, Humphreys and uh, Joe Tony and 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 uh, Trey Smith are maybe three of the best combination guys in the middle, and they don't run the ball up the middle in third down one. Yeah. They've got to find a way to get the ball up the middle with those three horses up there and let them guys go and play. One of the things that when we were playing, or Dave's out, Will Shields and I, it was a badge of honor for us to get the play called behind us on third down and one or fourth down and one because the game was on us. It was our, our opportunity to step up to the plate, you know, to try to get a base hit to win the game. Yeah. Because, you know, we don't get many of those as offensive linemen. So when, you know, you don't get those, the, the confidence of the coach to call a play to run behind you, um, it's got to affect these guys and their confidence. So the Kansas City Chiefs have got to find a way to get back to playing some hard-nosed physical football up the middle. Even, hey, listen, you can walk up to the line of scrimmage and say, listen, guys, we're coming right in this A-gap. Try to stop us. And, you know what? If you have the right attitude, the right technique, the right fundamentals, and you got the right back, you can do it every time. And I think the Chiefs have that. Tim Gronard joining us right here at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. We'll be here until 7 p.m. right here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. You say that. And I've been saying it for a while now, too. I know they won't do QB sneaks, although Mahomes himself said in training camp, the last day of training camp, we asked him. He goes, if I have to call my number in a big moment, I will call my number. Don't think week one is the right time for Mahomes to do that. But in regards to QB sneak, in regards to doing what Philly does with, with the with the tush push, if you will, or just running up the middle, what is Andy Reid's obsession almost with getting too cute in these situations, whether it's the jet sweeps, the get Blake Bell back there for the bell dozer? It, it just seems like we've seen this too many times play out in the negative while you look around and you see in this exact same game, you saw Detroit Lions go up the middle two, three times on these third and shorts, pick it up easily. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Andy likes to be creative, and he's a creative coach, and, and he's got a lot of great ideas. And, and the guy, listen, he's won a lot of football games, so uh, I'm not going to second-guess him when it comes to some of the calls that he makes. But I will say this, uh, third down and one, fourth down and one, that, that's all you know about trust. It's about trusting your offensive lineman, trusting your running back, or trusting your quarterback to get that, that extra yard or yard and a half just right up the middle. And and I that's what I want to see. I want to see him be able to trust those guys. And I'm not saying he doesn't trust them, but all the evidence right now shows that they're trying to do all these tricky things with motion and the belldozer. Belldozer thing's not going to work anymore. Everybody knows it's coming. And then when you run something off of it, uh, it didn't look like they were prepared to do that. They didn't block it correctly. Guys were running free. So that, that was not that was not planned or practiced correctly and that's one of the reasons why they didn't convert that that third down i believe it was third maybe it was fourth down with a belldozer uh conversion so you know it's, it's a little bit different because when you're in the middle of the field it's third down and one or fourth down and one just move the chains yeah just move the chains now when you're inside the five yard line and you want to get cute and you want to do a ring around the rosy or whatever <laughs> the hell they're doing you can go ahead and do that but the reality of the situation is when it comes down to it it comes down to the five guys up front going against those four defensive linemen and those two linebackers who wants it more who's got better fundamentals technique who's going to finish in the end zone who's going to play lower who's going to get that push 
and that, that's a badge of honor. I mean, all we had as offensive linemen was converting third downs and watching running backs run through the hole and seeing their backside scoot through it, and you, know, that's, you felt good about that. That's all, basically all we have. We don't get to score touchdowns. We don't get a sack. We don't get interceptions. Very rarely do we recover fumbles. When we do recover a fumble, everybody's pissed off anyways because it's, one, <laughs> it's the offensive guy fumbled. So we, the, all we have is that. So, Andy, if you're listening, I know you are. You're driving home right now from, from practice, or maybe you're rolling. Trust those guys in the middle. Let's run the ball up the middle behind Humphreys and Joe Tunney and, 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 uh, and Trey Smith right behind those guys, and, and let's give these guys an opportunity to move the chains. So you prefer to run blocking compared to pass blocking, correct? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I, mean, I played for Marty Schottenheimer. Yeah. Come on. We ran the ball 40 times a game. You know, when you uh, – uh, the old adage is, is, you know, run blocking is aggressiveness going forward, and pass blocking is aggressiveness going backwards. Yeah. And uh, so as, a, as an offensive lineman, you know, you love to be able to take it to the defense lineman because it's basically the opposite. When you're pass setting, you're setting back and you're taking that momentum and you're taking that, that, that hit and you're just trying to stay in front of them and give them enough time for the quarterback to get rid of the ball. But when you're run blocking, that's when you can get underneath the guy and drive him out of there and it feels good to, to uh, you know, get that movement and give your back an opportunity to have success. So, you know, I mean, that that's kind of the inside little skinny, the behind the curtain of offensive line play is the offensive linemen run, love to run the football. Uh, I mean, every time you come back to, from, from a drive that is not successful and you sit on the bench, you're always saying, hey, we've got to run the ball more. And, and as a coach, and I coach on every level, it gets annoying because they always say it. <laughs> I'm like, listen, I know what you guys are going to say. All right? But I was there sitting on that bench, and I said the same thing. But that is all about you've got to find a way to be physical because when you're physical and you're running the football against the team, that's when you take the spirit out of the team. Gunther Cunningham used to say it the opposite way. He'd say the first thing we're going to do is we're going to take away their heart, and their heart is their running game. We're going to take that offensive line, we're going to drive them back, and then we're going to get after that running back, and we're going to take them out of the game. And then once they can't run the ball anymore, then we're going to go after their soul, and their soul is the quarterback. And then we'll knock him out, we'll take him out of the game. Take away the hearts of the running game, and then go after their soul. And it's the other way around for offensive linemen. The heart of the team, the heart of the game, the game is one up front, and you got to give those guys an opportunity. Give those guys an opportunity to have success. And we're going to have to do that this year. You can get cute every once in a while, but it really comes down to, and it comes down to win and lose in football games. It comes down to confidence, physicality, and being able to move those sticks. Chiefs Hall of Famer Tim Grunardt joining us right here on the Chiefs Legend Show, Sports Radio 810 WHB, as we are live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway until 7 p.m. If you guys want to bet, if you guys want to come on and do something fun on Sunday, make sure you head to Kansas Speedway Hollywood Casino September 17th. You can win three thousand dollars in pin bonus play or a one thousand dollar kc tailgate package don't miss any of the action this season at hollywood casino at kansas speedway must be 21 plus gambling problem getting help is your best bet call 800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com let's switch gears and talk about the wide receivers now. <laughs> okay I, I know this might be a, a sore subject for a lot of people uh Kadarius tony let's start with him first I don't want to pile on him because this was the worst day, probably, of his professional of any. You would have never known level. it. 
I mean, he's he's trolling the New York Giants uh, after their loss the other day. After he said he's done on social media, yeah. had a, had a fired up one more time to give it back to those Giants fans. But I get people saying this was the worst day of his football life. You know, I'm sure in high school, even going back to Pee Wee. He's probably never had this bad a day. He just helps you win a Super Bowl, maybe ease up a little bit, and I get all that. But it's a very emotional game. And if he just would have acted like a defensive back and knocked all the balls down, Chiefs win that game. Yeah. That pick six right in his hands goes for a pick six. What did you take away from Kadarius Tony, Sky Moore, the lack of separation to an extent? I mean, as much as we rip on Kadarius for, for all of the drops, and they were a, a large amount of drops, at least he was getting open. That's the one takeaway I had from Tony. The one positive was at least he was getting open. He only had 16 snaps, believe it or not. 16 yeah. snaps, oh, and, and, and he was throwing the ball that many times. You know what? Sometimes when you get into these games, and, and that's one of the things about uh, the way that uh, practice is conducted nowadays and the way that uh, preseason games are, and, and we saw it all over the league yesterday from drops to penalties to – Miss assignments to sloppy football. And let's face it, the Chiefs played sloppy football. But they weren't the only team that played sloppy football yesterday. And a lot of it has to do with the speed of practice. Now, it was like, well, what are you talking about? They're not running full speed at practice. And, yeah, they may be, but they're also not getting chucked at the line of scrimmage. And they're not – somebody's trying to be physical with them and knocking them off their – off their route as they as they come around to try to catch the ball, and they're also not worried about some guy coming and taking their head off once they catch it uh, in practice. One of the things we used to do in practice back in the day is you'd have one period we call the green period, and it was either with the run game or the passing game when you obviously didn't knock the guys to the ground, but you hit the the guys and they kind of got used to that. I don't think, and I and, and I'm not making excuses for our wide receivers because they got to catch the ball. That's really what it comes down to. But I think just the system and the way things are set up nowadays with the way the teams practice and the way that uh, uh, that the preseason games are, that uh, you just don't get that full speed tempo uh, of the throw to the catch to the run to the hit um, anymore until the first game. And I think that affects sometimes wide receivers. And wide receivers are just like anybody else. They're, they're like, you know, I'm a huge baseball fan. You go up to the plate and you strike out two times in a row. You get up to the plate. You know what? You were looking to strike out a third time. You know, it, 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 it always happens. I mean, you lose a little bit of confidence, and now you're not seeing the ball as well. And you're and then you're pressing. And I think we saw a little bit of pressing from the wide receivers last week. You know, it's going to come down to, as, as and I think Andy Reid's going to do this, and I think that uh, – uh, Nagy's going to do this. They, they're going to they're going to draw up some plays in early where these guys are going to get some completions or easy completions, maybe a couple stop routes, maybe some you know just some slants where they can get the ball and get a catch and kind of get that confidence back, get that swagger back, and then take some shots down the field. Uh, it just looked to me like you know they had some drops early and it snowballed on each other. So um, and and that stuff's contagious. Yeah, it's like anything else, man. You know. As soon as one guy starts dropping them, then everybody's like, you know, he comes back to the bench. Everybody's like, hey, you can, you're fine, you're fine. But they're really thinking, catch the damn ball. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, you're the one that's starting to miss the football. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and Patrick Mahomes, too, I think at times, um, and, and, I, and I can't prove this, but I think when he starts to uh, see drops, he starts to throw it a little bit different. Yeah. And maybe he tries to aim a little bit more or he takes something off a little bit more. Uh, and, 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 you know, 
he didn't have Travis Kelsey, his his binky, his security blanket, uh, to throw the ball to. So, uh, you know, I thought he was pressing a little bit too. It just was one of those things where offensively the wide receivers and the quarterbacks, uh, you know, they just weren't on the same page, and it really started early and never got any better. But this is a good opportunity for them to get back in. They got a long week of practice, but I, I, you watch Nagy and Andy Reid are going to—they're going to put together a game plan to get these guys the ball early in some easier situations to get some catches to get some confidence. Maybe run with the ball a little bit in some space and give them an opportunity to kind of get back into the swing of things. Yeah, you know, when I saw Tony on that last one, that looked like a guy who did not want to be getting a ball thrown his way. Isn't that funny? Yeah, I, I saw the same thing. And, and it, it really is that way. I mean, you know, you're thinking about it so much, and then now you're like, please don't throw the ball at me because I'm going to drop it again. It's human nature. I mean, yeah. we, we, we saw it with incredible athletes. I think baseball is the most common sport where you see the yips. Uh, I think you can also say golf. As a golfer, trust me, you hit yeah. you hit one hosel, you're going, I do not want to hit an iron. How many times you walk up on a tee box and you're like, man, I can't hit the ball. I know I'm going to slice it into the woods. You're like, this ball's gone. I mean, you can make every putt in the world one day, and the, but you can't you can't hit your driver because you got the – and then the next Next thing you're hitting great drives, you can't make a putt. Yeah. So I mean, it's it gets in your head. It really does. And and in the offensive line, it gets in your head too. And pass protection. There's times you're like the guy going against, you know, it just doesn't feel like you're getting a good punch on him. You're not getting a good piece of him. Uh, you, you, you're guessing where he's going to go. And you're, you you don't have a good feel for the scheme that they're running. And the next thing you know, you're thinking too much. And when you start to think too much, I always tell people. The difference between a average to a guy getting cut in the NFL to an average NFL player is hesitation. Mm-hmm. If you hesitate, you cannot play in the NFL. When I talk about hesitation, that's mentally and physically. If you hesitate mentally when you're going to catch the football, guess what? You're going to miss it. If you hesitate physically when you're blocking somebody up front and you're not quite sure what you're doing or how you're going to do it, you're going to get beat. So you can't have hesitation. The Chiefs have got to find a way to get themselves out of this kind of hesitation that they were in last week. And if you talk to those wide receivers and you talk to the offensive line and you even talk to the defensive guys, they would say, hey, you know what, we just weren't in a good flow. We just we just didn't have kind of that mojo going and we got to find it. And a lot of that is just not having to hesitate and go out and just play football. Chiefs Hall of Famer Tim Gronard joining us right here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. We will be here until 7 p.m. It is the Chiefs Legend Show every single Monday right here. Going to be a lot of fun. I want to talk about the veteran wide receivers, though. The guys who got no run, no love during OTAs, training camp, preseason. You saw Amir Smith-Marset getting all this love. You saw, guy again, a, a guy who's no longer a Kansas City Chief. <laughs> he, he was the talking point of, right. of, of the preseason. Yet, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Justin Watson, the two most consistent wide receivers in this game. Two guys that people I saw on Twitter all the time. Trade Marquez. Yeah. Cut Justin Watson and, and keep Amir Smith-Marset. But this is why you see Andy Reid and the Chiefs keep these veteran wide receivers. Mahomes trusts them. They know where they're going to be. Justin Watson also only had, it was two for 45, so the stat sheet doesn't tell the full story here because Justin Watson also drew a massive deep pass interference. Yeah. He, he took advantage of that. You see the difference. Is this something that some of these younger guys, Kadarius Toney still young, Sky Moore still young, uh, Rasheed Rice, who had a drop, but he bounced back. He showed some mental fortitude and got a, got a touchdown. Is this something that you just learn just as you play more and more games in the NFL? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we just talked about the mental part of the game. As a young guy, you, you know, you, you have a hard time. Marty Schottenheimer would say it all the time. 
And, and when I say this, everybody's going to say, yeah, I've heard him say, go to the next play. Go to the next play because if you let the play that you just did affect you, it's going to affect you on the next one. And I think a lot of times young guys, especially, you know, young skill players, you have a fumble. The next time you you got to go to the next play, you can't worry about fumbling again. you got to continue to run angry, continue to run hard, and, and just say, hey, listen, I know I'm not a fumbler, so I'm not going to fumble again. But you start thinking about it, and you don't run as hard, and you're trying to do something different. That's when you're going to pop it out again. And as a wide receiver, it's the same thing. You know, maybe you're cutting that route off a little bit early because, you know, you're, you're anxious to get to that spot so you catch the ball uh, a little bit earlier instead of going through with your route. I think when you look at the veteran guys, the veteran guys know that, hey, listen, you're going to have drops, you're going to have those tough quarters, but you just got to keep playing, and eventually, you know, if you keep sawing wood, you keep doing the things you do, keep, you know, got you there, and, and all the technique and all the fundamentals and all the balls you've caught, that eventually it's going to come to you, and it usually does. When the younger guys, they start to press, they start to worry about it, they start cutting uh, routes short, they start, um, you know, uh, uh, maybe worrying about, you know, what the coverage is going to be before instead of just running their route and understanding that the scheme is going to get you open. So little things like that. So uh, to your point, you're exactly right. Younger guys, it's just the way it is. Younger guys, they may have these big big games, but a lot of times they're not as consistent. It's just consistent guys that quarterbacks want to throw to. What was Marty's philosophy when stuff like this happened, when, when you had a lot of drops, when, when the offense that was supposed to be lethal all of a sudden was grinding to a halt? Did Marty have a certain philosophy? Was, was it if a guy makes a drop, you get the ball back to him, or was he sitting back on the sideline next to him? Yeah, you know, I, I, Marty usually would try to get him back on the horse and get him back into the game. Um, you know, for me, most of the time, I and mean, we, we only threw the ball about 14, 15, 16 times a game, so it wasn't that many yeah. passes. But, like, for a running back, when a running back would fumble, like you see a Christian Okoye fumble, you know, Barry Ward may come in for a couple plays, but then you look up and Christian would be back in the huddle. And Marty said, listen, you got to get back in there and, you know, don't worry about it, just go play. And just like I said, he always talked about go to the next play. You can't worry about one play. If you give up a sack, you can't say, oh, man, what happened on that play? Did I – was a bad technique by me? Was that? Did I go the wrong way? Uh, was I not getting enough help? Should I, you know, have asked for some help? Um, and uh, and then you know, then you start thinking about those things. And the next thing you know, they start piling on, and we used to call it frenzying, uh, defensive lineman frenzy, because offensive linemen start to think about the issues, and then next thing you know, it just turns into a big crap show because they're just all over the place. We saw that last night with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. They were frenzying up front. I mean, oh, my You goodness. couldn't stop them because, I mean, they had all the momentum and they had everything going. And it's the same thing with wide receivers. It's the same thing with quarterbacks. You see quarterbacks that go 11 for 12, and then the next thing you know, they throw a couple incompletes, and then now they look at their one for eight. <laughs> right? It's just weird how that happens. Uh, but you just got to continue to go, and, you, and, and that's why you practice, and that's why you put the time in in the off season. That's why you do OTAs. That's why you work hard in the summer. That's why you you go through a hard training camp uh, because you got to fall back on the things that got you there, and that's what these wide receivers need to do. I, I am I worried about the wide receivers? Yes, I am because when I look around the league, it looks like the, every team has some really really good wide receivers he does. Yeah. and i can and, and i don't know who that is for the chiefs yet you know just you know watching uh watching games this weekend you're like man i'll tell you what the chiefs would i'd love to have that guy in the chiefs but somebody's going to step step up whether it's uh, valdez scantlin uh whether it's sky Moore, 
whether it's Justin Ross, somebody, somebody's going to step up. And once that somebody steps up, um, then the whole room is going to get better. And when one guy starts to, you know, starts to pinnacle and starts to peak and starts to become great, then that brings the whole room with them. And that's what they got right now. They're a little stagnant right now. They need to find that leader. They got to find that guy. They got to find the person that they can look to and say, "Yeah, this guy's getting better. He's doing the things the right way, and I can do that too." Hall of Famer Chiefs, or Chiefs Hall of Famer Tim Gronard and Sterling Holmes here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. We'll be here until 7 p.m. again every single Monday. I will be here rotating guests of former Chiefs. It's going to be a lot of fun, so make sure you come out here every single Monday from 6 to 7, Hollywood Casino right here at Kansas Speedway. When you take a look at the defense over here, this was sans Chris Jones. Now Chris Jones back on a revamped one-year deal, as we talked about earlier on. But without Chris Jones, how do you think they performed? Because I was thoroughly impressed with everything they did. Yeah, they only gave up 14 points. I mean, you know, the, the, the Chiefs had a, a pick six. Uh, so, I mean, it was the, the 21 points, if you look at it, it was only 14. Uh, Spags did a really, really good job. I mean, I, I got to give him a lot of credit because he schemed the heck out of that game, putting guys in good position to make plays, making the Detroit offensive line and defensive, defensive and the offensive coordinator for uh, Detroit second second guessed themselves a little bit. They were bringing some pressure off the corners, and they were floating guys over the top and covering up. And they got pressure from Dana. They got pressure, you know, from some of the linebackers. I thought they had a really nice plan. I thought they tackled pretty well. Um, listen, Detroit's always going to try to run the football, and, uh, you know, they had some success at times. But I thought the defense stood up. I thought the defense played really well. I thought they rallied around each other because Chris Jones wasn't there. And I thought they said, hey, listen, Chris Jones isn't here. We can show these guys that we can still play, and we can play hard, and we can hold these guys down. And they really did. Now when Chris Jones comes back, I would expect them to have some confidence and say, listen, you know, we played pretty damn good against Detroit, and we didn't have our best player, and now we have our best player back. And, uh, you know, so uh, I think Spags is going to be able to kind of go back to a little bit more of a uh, a regular type of a a defensive scheme where he'll bring some pressure every once in a while, but it won't be this four-week, four-strong where they're rotating guys over to, 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 you know, linebackers or whoever it is to cover guys out in the slot uh, because they had to take chances. Uh, I don't think they'll have to take as many chances. Yeah, I, I was thoroughly impressed with Steve Spagnuolo, Trent McDuffie. I mean, the, the knock against him was he was a smaller cornerback, the, sh- the shorter arms. How would the physicality of the NFL translate? Uh, fine. He did, he did a great job in the slot. He really yeah. did. And that's not an easy position because, you know, you got to you got to uh, fill and force on the run. And the other thing is most of the combinations that you see uh, are predicated off that slot receiver doing some rubs and some meshes and some, some different kind of uh, – uh, routes that uh, try to confuse that 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 nickel um, that nickel corner. And he did a really good job in there. Um, so yeah, I was thoroughly impressed with the young corners. I want to talk a little bit about your induction at the Chiefs Ring of Honor. I've talked sure. about this before with you. You have it in your book as well. If you guys don't know, not only is Tim Grunard in the Chiefs Hall of Fame, he also is an author, which yeah. is which is pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. View from the center. Make sure you pick that up. Um, talk a little bit about that introduction. Because that has to be such a fulfilling moment for you. Did you always know that that was going to be your goal when you got here to Kansas City? Yeah, you know, so I, I when I was drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs, the next day I flew out here for a red coater luncheon, and I met Carl Peterson uh, out in the in the foyer, and uh, he showed me around, showed me in the locker room, showed me the you know uh, the training room, went up to his office, all those kind of things. But we went out in the field, 
and looked up and I saw all those names that were circling around uh, the stadium. And I asked him, so what's the deal with the names? He goes, those are our Hall of Famers, those are our Ring of Fame players. And he said, one of the things we did is we drafted you. We'd like you to be here long enough and be a part of that. And I said, that would be a great thing to do. And that was always my goal. It was to, you know, be a part of that ring of fame. And every year when I looked up there and I saw the guys I played with, like Christian Okoye and John Alt and Duran Cherry and Lloyd Burris and, and uh, you know, I can go down the list um, o- over the years that, um, that I played with and I had so much respect for those guys. And, you know, it's funny because it took 20 years to get there. And, and a lot of people said, hey, you know, gosh, you, you should have been in earlier. But it really worked out perfect for me, and, I, and I've talked about this in my book a little bit. And uh, My kids are at the age where they all played sports. I, you know, I had three Division One athletes, um, and all of them played high school, and they all understood the sacrifice that sports uh, uh, take and how hard it is and you know, how hard it is to, uh, to sometimes get the respect that, that you, you believe that you should get. And uh, so when they, they're in their 20s, if they were – 10, 11, and 12, they wouldn't give a rat's ass about it. But they thought this was really cool. So it was great to share that with them. So, you know, that was my goal is to, uh, you know, obviously the goal was to win a Super Bowl and all those kind of things. But every time I went on the field and I put my helmet down in the pregame, I'd look up and I'd find the names of those guys up on the on the ring of fame and say, someday I want to be there. And now these current current players look up and see your name. When you look at this current iteration of the Kansas City Chiefs, you know you can say it's the quote-unquote glory days, right? The most successful period in Chiefs history. That probably is going to come with a lot of guys getting their name put yeah. up there. Who do you think right now is on the right path? Obviously, we know Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, but just in general, how many of these guys have a legitimate possibility of getting their names into the Chiefs' ring of honor? Yeah, let's just start with the offensive line. You know, Creed Humphrey stays here long enough. Uh, you know, we, we've had this this kind of run where our centers, we've drafted good centers. It started with, uh, you know, Mitch Morris was yeah. a guy. and uh, Rodney Hudson. Rodney Hudson. Uh, and, uh, you know, they've left after, you know, four or five years. You've been the last one to stay. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's crazy. So I think Creed would definitely be one that would get up there. Uh, I, I think that if you look at our, our linebackers, Bolton was definitely a guy. Chris Jones, we talked about Chris Jones. Uh, getting up there, um, uh, you know, Butker. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Butker might be a guy, you know, as much as I'm not a big kicker fan. The guy's kicked some really important kicks over the years. So. Is, is that common? Is, yeah, is, nobody is, likes kickers. Is it the whole, is it the whole team, just yeah. offensive line? Then? It's everybody. It? <laughs> everybody. Yeah. Well, they love when they make it. They're, they're like relief pitchers. You know, they, they <laughs> kind of stay on their own. They kind of sit back there, and you only see them, you know, they run out of the field. Oh, there's that kicker guy again. <laughs> so, uh, but no, uh, we, we, yeah, we give the kickers a lot of crap, but... Uh, yeah, they're, they're their own little entity. They practice on their own. They do things on their own. But, yeah, they're really important, as we know, as I know. Yeah. I mean, I, there's a couple that I wish were would have been made in the playoffs that would have gave me an opportunity to go to Super Bowl. But they weren't made. Yeah. And there you go. But uh, <laughs> I think Butker is one of those guys, too, that uh, will have a great opportunity to have the, uh, the ring of fame. And, and I hope that guys like Creed and I hope that guys like Bolton and Gay and those guys are here with the Chiefs long enough. It's just a weird dynamic in the NFL now with guys, you know, that they don't stay with a team that long because of free agency and all and salary cap and everything else. And it, for me, you know, Travis Kelsey would reiterate and say the same thing. It's just something special about being here in Kansas City. Yeah. Before I let you go, just touching on that, because I do find this fascinating, I, we always – 
we look back, I think, sometimes through rose-colored glasses, and I, I think every person's a um, susceptible to this, but you look back and say things were better back then. You look back and say more players stuck around on their current team for longer. But you have a better perspective than obviously we do. Is that true? Do you think that players felt a, a larger desire to stay in one place? Or was it still always a case of, you know, I might go where the most money is? Yeah, I think money was always the main factor for everybody, but uh, the money just wasn't as prevalent and wasn't yeah. as, as easily, I don't want to say easily, but it, it wasn't just as available as maybe it is nowadays. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, uh, I had an opportunity to go somewhere else towards the end of my career and maybe make a little bit more money, or actually I would say steal money because I knew I wasn't good enough to play at the, high, the highest level anymore. But I thought it was important for me to stay here, and my brand was here, and being a Kansas City Chief and being a Kansas City, and my kids were born here. Uh, you know, I, I think that in this day and age, um, it's it's unfortunate because I think part of the you – know, they're making a lot of money, and they're going to make generational money. But part of the whole thing is is bonding and being a part of the fabric of a community. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's such a great opportunity here in Kansas City. I was, t- I was talking to uh, uh, Joe Tooney the other day about it, and he's just like, man, you know, I was up in uh, New England, and it was n- people were nice up there, but he said, I just love it here. The people are great here. You know, I could see myself staying here after my career is over. And, you know, it's just a great place to raise kids, a great place. There's stress, not a lot of stress. And, uh, you know, it's a, in Arrowhead and in, in, in the sports scene here is, is second to none. So, uh, yeah, I was just blessed, you know, a kid from the south side of Chicago, got drafted here in 1990, didn't know anybody, didn't know a thing, and the next thing I know, I've been living here for 30-some years. Worked out, some say. Worked out pretty Some good. say. <laughs> worked out all right. Chiefs Hall of Famer Tim Grunard. We're here again live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. I will be here every single Monday during the Chiefs regular season. We'll be joined by a rotating guest of former Chiefs, Grunny. Really appreciate it. What do you it. like tonight? Oh, man. Come on. Uh, Bills. Bills? Bills. Right. I think they cover, too. They cover? I think they oh, cover. It's, it's two points. Hey, I'll say, I'll say a touchdown. All right. There uh, you go. What do you have? I got the I got the Jets winning. Ooh, it's a little, little, little disagreement we here. Got a little, we'll agree to disagree. I think the, uh, the Jets win by three. And we'll take a quick break. We'll come back right here at Sports Radio 810 at WHB, joined by Tanner Rome, Sportsbook Manager. He'll know. Welcome back to the Chiefs Legend Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB, live here at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Again, every single Monday I will be here, uh, joined by a Chiefs former great. Going to be a lot of fun. We are joined now by Tanner Rome, sportsbook manager here at Hollywood Casino. Tanner, how you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here. i got to ask you some questions. First and foremost, What's going on this weekend with the Kansas City Watch Party on Sunday, and what current sportsbook promos are going on? Everyone's got to get a little inside scoop here. Hey, it's, it's an exciting time for us right now. You know, um, unfortunately, the Chiefs didn't win this weekend, so or last Thursday. So um, we're going to do a little watch party out on the uh, back patio for the uh, Jaguars game, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, pretty huge TV that they put out there, like more like a projector. Um, all the there'll be a bartender out there, everything, so you don't have to go inside to get your drinks. Um, and then for the promotions right now, so 
up to three times a week, um, you can get a $20 free bet. So if you make a $100 wager, you're eligible for a $20 free bet at the counter. Um, so yeah, just bring us your tickets if you, if you made a, you know, up to a hundred dollar bet and, uh, or accumulation of a hundred dollars and, uh, get a, a free 20 bucks pretty much. So you can put that on the Chiefs game or anything you really want, you know. When you're looking back at the Chiefs Lions game, what were the sports book telling us? You can take us a look back now. Now you can't go forward with us, but taking a look back, what were the betters supporting in that game? Yeah, you know, early on, um, we had a bunch of Chiefs. Just more so fandom coming in. Uh, first game of the year, you know, everyone's, I think, a little bit too excited. Uh, the line was up to seven. I think it opened up a little bit higher than that. Um, and then, obviously, with the Kelsey news, it dropped all the way down to uh, three and a half, four, depending on when you got it. Um, and we had actually had a bunch of Chiefs fans coming in um, and betting the Lions. You know, I, I think that kind of says something about how much this, you know, everyone around here around the Kansas City area appreciates Travis Kelsey. That's what that told me. So um, early it was Chiefs, late definitely Lions betters. Um, We still have, you know, the locals that that bet the Chiefs money line that I think it cost them, but that's uh, part of being a Chiefs fan, you know. When you are a new better, what should our listeners do? All right, now now all the, the veterans of the sports betting world, they know what to do. But if you're a new listener, what should they do? Yeah, I mean, come on up to the counter um, is, is definitely the easiest thing. Um, don't let the you know shiny lights and the bright lights of the casino scare you away. Um, my team's more than happy to explain you know how to bet. We can't tell you what to bet on, but because um, we're not we're not experts either. We just you know we're just sports we're sports betters too. Um, but uh, you know, come to the counter. We'll help you out. Um, kind of break it down what what the numbers mean, what the you know the minuses or the plus means, and and try to give you a, a better understanding, um, and then we'll be right there with you when you make your first bet. Um, it, it makes it much more simple than, you know, going to a kiosk or using your phone or whatnot. So come in, and, and we'll help you out. When looking at this upcoming game, the Chiefs versus the Jacksonville Jaguars, what is the spread and the line currently at? Yeah, so uh, right now we have the Chiefs are minus three. Um, it was down to two and a half yesterday, um, early today. I think it moved to three. Um, over and under up to 51 now. So uh, they're expecting, obviously, a lot of scoring. You know, just the Chiefs offense always has that number pretty high. So, Chiefs, in other words, Chiefs got to win by four for you to win your minus three bet. Uh, three, you just take a push. So um, that's what we're sitting at right now. And I, I, I expect some movement, you know, throughout the week now for sure. Well, if you bet, make sure you come up here to Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Tanner Rome, thank you for all of your insight. Again, Sportsbook Manager right here at Hollywood Casino. Tanner, really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me on. Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. This was the first iteration of the 2023-2024 Chiefs Legend Show right here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. We'll be here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway 6-7 every single Monday. Until next Monday, we are out.